Welcome to another episode of ESPN's Ball in the Real World podcast. And it has been a massive day. Draft day. Probably could squeeze it into three hours. It's a seven-hour production, though. And uh, there was lots going on. And if you're an Australian basketball fan, there was plenty going on as well. From our number one Australian prospect, Dyson Daniels, to the NBL guys that ended up getting scooped up as well. So we're going to break it all down here and give a full recap of the draft. But Dyson Daniels, no doubt about it, was the headliner of today's draft and i caught up with espn's own on the spot in new orleans andrew lopez so we're going to chat with andrew lopez first then i'll bring in uh, steve smith and we'll go through the rest of the picks but let's get things started with andrew lopez all right joining us now from new orleans it has been a busy night actually a miracle that this man is still awake at this hour <laughs> it is 3 45 p.m on friday afternoon here in australia slightly later on thursday evening it might be friday morning already actually. that is it is it is friday morning yes that is correct it is absolutely friday morning <laughs> andrew lopez our reporter covering all things new orleans pelicans you've had a big night andrew we appreciate it yeah no absolutely man i, I had a feeling we were going to talk one way or the other tonight depending on how this uh how this draft was going to go so i'm uh, i'm glad we were able to uh to get it in here you're plugged into all things pelicans and we've sort of been communicating over the last 24 to 48 yeah. hours thinking that we'd be able to do this one way or the other the pelicans end up selecting a guy that our australian fans new zealand fans are very familiar with dyson daniels with pick number eight but it wasn't without total drama there was some chaos at the top no one knew what was happening in the top three there was a little bit of a surprise at pick four uh with sacramento but ultimately uh, the Pelicans get a guy that certainly it seemed in the lead up to the draft, they were keyed in on, on Dyson Daniels. Yeah. And uh, you know, we talked to Pelicans general manager Trajan Langdon earlier tonight and Trajan was telling us, look, he, he said that the room exploded when shade and sharp went <laughs> number seven uh, to the Portland trailblazers. That was the pick that they were worried about. That was the pick that they had been worried about. They knew shade and uh, they knew that Dyson had some fans in Portland. It was kind of a battle to which way they would go. So their guy fell to him at eight. That's the guy who they wanted. Uh, it was kind of funny because he mentioned Dyson wants to be in New Orleans. And he said Dyson uh, wanted to come work out twice in New Orleans. And they were like, we only need to see you once. It's okay. You don't need to come back a second time. But he was that ready to compete on the trail. I, I mean, as you know, sometimes with these agents, what they like to do is some agents will send their guys out to, uh, you know, one on zero workouts. Some guys want their guys to go work out, you know, five on fives or three on threes or whatever it is. And Dyson was one of those guys who wanted to compete the whole time. And and, and they liked that <laughs> about him. They liked that about the, the entire process. And they, you know, obviously they like what he can bring uh, both, you know, on the court as well. Yeah. Certainly hearing teams that he did go to work out with the feedback coming back is there's a few things. First of all, they loved that his priority is defense. Yes. And secondly, <laughs> to your point, the fact is a competitor. And also, honestly, we had him in our studio a few months ago and I was just taken aback at how well he communicates, how well he speaks. He's super level-headed. But when you talk about doing the five-on-five, five, he did his pre-draft media availability the other day and he said he just wants to go out there and kill everyone. And you're like, yeah. okay, okay, I, I <laughs> yeah. understand the competitiveness. But also positionally for the Pelicans, uh, certainly for me, it, it, it makes sense that they would want to add a guard to the young core they've already got. Yeah. And, and, and it's the size thing. So he is, uh, he's six foot eight. 
He's as he told you the other day, he's already back up to 200 pounds. Um, he wants to get to 220. So for for him right now, the way he's he's trending, he is going to be a bigger guard, but he is still a guard. And for the Pelicans, that size is going to be needed, uh, especially when they have some of these, you know, Jose Alvarado kind of took the league by storm last year. You know, the Grand Theft Alvarado, the the Mr. Take the Ball, all, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Jose's still a small guy. I, I, you know, might be 5'10", and me and Jose are right here, okay? I, I, whenever, yeah. I, whenever I talk about Jose's height, I say he's gen- generously listed at six feet tall. Um, it, it Obviously, he can get into point guards, but it would help if he had another bigger guard next to him. Uh, in certain lineups if they decide to play him in in lineups next to cj mccollum who is 6263 again that helps uh with with the lineups or if both of those guys can switch you can have some very switchy kind of lineups out there with say uh, a, a dyson herb jones trey murphy brandon ingram and zion and you really just you don't know what you're throwing at some of these, uh, you know, uh, some of these uh, deep, uh, offenses, I should say. So, you know, you could take Zion out and you want to put Larry Nance in, and that's a really kind of a lineup that could switch one through five at all different spots and hold their own. So um, they like this ver- defensive versatility. They like that, you know, as he told us in the post-draft media availability, he likes to trash talk. He likes to, to get <laughs> under guy's skin. And I was like, oh, if he, if he likes to get under guy's skin, he's going to fit right in with, with, with Jose on that, uh, on that second unit right now as he you know, works his way into being a starter. And that's something that they envisioned for him down the line of you know, being able to work his way in the rotation next year and then you know, playing a significant role heading into year two. It's super early, and clearly the Pelicans roster is going to change over the next little period here as well but you mentioned some of the guys that we know that they have of course they're hoping uh, they get the big fella Zion yes. back in there as well in the mix and he'll play a significant part which actually I think uh, helps and complements the fact that Dyson can play off the ball a little bit yeah. because with Brandon and CJ they've got all these guys that can handle it uh, but just right off the bat to me again we've spoken about the need it does legitimately seem that there's a, a realistic chance that there's rotation minutes uh, right off the bat for a guy like Dyson in this, in this team. Yeah, for sure. I, I think you could see it right away because, you know, when you look at their roster, uh, CJ McCollum started to play point guard for them. That's not a position he had traditionally played in, mm-hmm. uh, in, in Portland, obviously because of Dame, he was kind of the backup point guard, but now he's really the started, the starting one. Um so if you let's just pre- let's let's keep the lineup as I mean the starting group as it is right now. Let's just let's let's fast forward to October yes. if they keep the roster because they have fourteen um, guaranteed contracts on the roster right now. Uh, you're looking at probably a starting group of CJ McCollum, Herb Jones, Brandon Ingram, hopefully Zion Williamson, and then Jonas Valanciunas. The second unit you're probably looking at Jose Alvarado, Trey Murphy, Larry Nance. And then that's where things kind of where, you know, who has nine, who's 10, who's 11. And, and then you get there. Kyra Lewis, their other backup point guard is probably is, is coming back from ACL surgery that he had in January. You know, we don't know what his status is going to be for the start of the year. So there's going to be minutes there at that second guard spot at that shooting guard spot that should be there for Dyson uh, to take early on. There's there's other guys on the roster, Garrett Temple, who they ended up benching kind of toward the end of the year. Uh, Najee Marshall is is out there, Billy Hernan Gomez. But I mean, there's a there's a clear spot now that I didn't mention two obvious names of Devontae Graham uh, and, and Jackson Hayes. Those guys could be 
I, I would watch for them if they're going to be on the roster. Those would kind of be the ones. If somebody did get moved, I think it would be those two. But if he's going to sit there and it's sometimes hard to play Devontae and Jose together, both are six-foot guards, that's logically one of those spots is one that that Dyson could take. And I think those would be would be the minutes up for grabs for him right now, especially if he comes in uh, with that defensive intensity that uh, – you know, that we saw through throughout the workouts and in, 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 in the G League season. Yeah, Pelicans. And again, they, they had a lot of guys in and out of the, the lineup there, but I think they were 18th for defensive efficiency. So no doubt. And, and again, size is a big part of that. They had small guards, so that'll change. But it's such a unique situation for me looking at it again from the outside because where you get drafted can so often dictate opportunity. We so saw that much. with Josh, Josh Giddy last year, right? If you get yeah. one pick earlier to the Golden State Warriors or one pick after it might've been, but either way, I would change his opportunities to play. I do know how much Golden State wanted him last year. It was uh, (laughs) right before the Kaminga, obviously OKC jumped him to get the, to get there. So he was, uh, he was definitely uh, in in the mix there, but I mean, there's so many times when you look at just where a guy goes and it can, it, it dictates, you know, is it coaching staff? Are you getting the right assistant coaches? Are you getting the right work in? Are you getting the right lifts in? Are you getting the right uh, anything? I mean, it, there's so much that goes into making somebody a good NBA player that we, even when you look at, you know, draft bus, I mean, let's, let's just look at Andrew Wiggins right now. Andrew Wiggins was the, the, number, the number one pick. Obviously he's picked by Cleveland. He's traded to Minnesota right off the bat for Kevin Love. So LeBron could have, you know, start his super team in in, in Cleveland when he went back but he was kind of miscast maybe as that number one guy. And once you, you get him to golden state, he finds his role. And all of a sudden he's, he's a, one of the better players in the NBA finals this year. I mean, so much can change just because of where, you know, you're drafting. I think situations are, are key. And I think Dyson has, has landed in a pretty good one because, you know, while I, I didn't mention all those names and let's, let's, let's say Devontae is on the roster and Jackson Hayes are on the roster, those are probably your 10th and 11th guys. He doesn't have to necessarily play a big role right away. He can maybe go, I mean, it, it's going to be a little bit different, but go back to the G League a little bit for the, for the, the Pels G League team, get a couple of games there just to get some run. That's something that they did with Trey Murphy last year. Um hmm. He doesn't have to come in and and be a guy to play 20, 25 minutes a night right now. He can take his time and then when they're ready, all right, let's let's throw him out there and uh get him in some lineups. So you know on this night, social media or on Twitter, you were tweeting away tonight. Uh you get the reactions of picks and sometimes they can be a little bit emotional. What's the general vibe you're getting from Pelicans fans? They loved it. Uh, they they also knew I think that uh, this this pick was probably going to come down to them either taking Dyson Daniels uh, at eight or if it was going to be Usman Jang at uh, at eight two or maybe trying to slide back for him and I think that was what they were weighing if they were going to trade that pick or if they were going to try to go up um, it was it was basically you know Dyson or Jang like that, that that's what it was going to come down to I think for for most fans I think that's where they kind of saw where everything was going at this point. So uh, for Pels fans, I think they, they, they probably wanted Dyson a little bit more. Um, you know, it helps if, if, if he's the higher ranked guy, I'm sure, I'm sure not a, I'm sure not a ton of Pels fans <laughs> went and did, uh, you know, watched a bunch of NBL games and a bunch of G That's league right. night games uh, from last year, uh, which is what I've spent my last, you know, three to four days, just kind of digging myself into 
uh, to those as much as possible. But um, it, it's I, I, it was it was it was welcomed, and I think by also I mean they had a great night overall. They go get EJ Liddell from Ohio State, who was a guy who I think ESPN had at number twenty one. He yeah. ends up he ends up going forty one. Uh, they get uh, Carlo Matovich in and who was Nikola Jovic is uh, teammate last year. They stash him. He's going to play in Europe for the next two years, and then they go get Darian Sebron. Uh, from NC State, who was again also ranked in our top 60, and they get him on a two-way deal uh, right after the draft. So I think the Pels fans are just kind of kind of happy with their whole night. But it's easy to be happy when your last year's guys are Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, and then you pick up Jose Alvarado a- after the draft. So you you you're you're kind of riding off of last year a little bit. But I think you know I think they they had a really good night overall. Yeah, all things considered, uh, for over the last two three years, it feels like optimism. Again, pending the, yeah. the Zion stuff, it feels like it couldn't be any higher for Pelicans fans, which uh, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, especially right now. I mean, look, they, they, when you look at it at the end of the day, you were still 36 and 46 last year. You know, you're, you're 10 games yeah. under 500. But the way you finished the season was much better. You were able to, after that 3-16 and 16 start, you know, you played better than 500 basketball. You were able to sneak into the play-in tournament, win two games, including one in LA where you were down double digits in the fourth quarter. You pushed Phoenix to the to the brink, made them kind of maybe rush Devin Booker back maybe a little bit sooner from that injury that he he suffered in game two or three. So you things are going your way. Um, there is a lot of positive momentum, and then when you take that team, you add somebody who averaged twenty-seven points and seven rebounds into that mix. You add the number eight pick in Dyson, you know, who who should be able to play minutes for you this year. Maybe not October, November, but maybe, you know, January, February, you know, he should be able to develop into something relatively quickly. And I mean, we all know injuries happen in the in the league. So who knows what happens? And it's it's be ready. And I think he's got that mentality of, you know, a even if I'm not there early, I'm going to I'm going to be there late and I'll be, uh, you know, I'll be ready to go and help this team out. All right. Last one before you go get some sleep. Uh, you know now, and I have to say this for all Australian fans, fans in New Zealand that want to uh, follow Dyson, they they should definitely be following you, underscore Andrew, underscore Lopez on Twitter. And you know now that you've just got a whole bunch of new crazy Australians that are going to be tracking every single tweet of yours. So it's it's kind of funny. We were talking about this. Uh, I already know <laughs> how, how the New Zealand fans were when Stephen Adams was here for the one season. <laughs> I can only imagine how the the Aussie fans are going to be. One of our it, it, here's another cool thing. One of our bloggers, uh, his name is Ali Cosell. He writes for the Bird Rights. Um, he's at Ali Cosell. He was born in Australia. Came over when he was five or six. So we were joking with him tonight that like, like you got you got one of yours. Like he's 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 very happy about that too. So um, there was a there was a little bit of a cheer, like a little little happiness coming, I think, from him tonight as well. Knowing, yeah, yeah, he he knows full good and well what's uh what's about to come when or uh where this you know this Aussie wave is going to come over uh, the New Orleans Pelican fandom. Well, again, on paper, it seems like a really great fit for the Pelicans. Uh, I, I think everyone's going to be excited to see how this pans out next year, and they're going to be excited to follow you as well, Andrew. Uh, I like hope I said, so. It's way too late. <laughs> it's way too late. Go get some sleep. It is, yeah, it is definitely sleep time. (laughs) Two-way contracts are done. I think, uh, yeah, it is. uh, It is shower and sleep time now. (laughs) 
Andrew, you're the best. Take it easy, man. Appreciate the time. Thank you. All right, I got Steve Smith with me now, and we are going to continue to go through the rest of the draft, Steve. But I think it's only fitting that we start with Dyson Daniels and continue this chat because uh, we can, we've spoke about it from the New Orleans perspective with Andrew Lopez and the reaction over there in the US, but certainly here in Australia, there is significant excitement and for good reason. And we've spoken about all the top 10 picks that Australia has had over recent years, and it's been call it the golden era, call whatever you want to call it. Uh, It has been awesome to be a a lover of basketball in Australia and see all the names that pop up year after year in the draft. But when you think about last year with Josh Giddy, and you think about this year with Dyson Daniels to have two guys go in the top 10 that play similar positions, will be going up against each other and playing for each other for the Boomers. Uh, This last 12-month period has been awesome. And today was Dyson Daniels' day and he climbed late and went number eight to the Pelicans. Yeah, it's super exciting, isn't it? I think, uh, and I think the fact that he that he backed himself to to fit in and succeed in the G League with the Ignite, I think that's you know real credit to him. I think a lot of people thought he would just come and play NBL for a season, maybe do a next star type thing, and he didn't, and backed himself, and it's it's paid off, and that's a glass slipper fit for him uh, in New Orleans, isn't it? Like that's such an exciting roster for him to to be able to fit into. And as you said, you know, he's going to go up against Josh Giddy, and I, I know they're both probably looking forward to that. They were both at the uh, the NBA Academy together at one stage. So uh, it's just, and yeah, to be playing with the Boomers, that backcourt together, oh boy. Yeah, he spoke about it in his post-draft availability as well. That's, he likes talking a bit of trash. He's super competitive. He also <laughs> spoke about the desire to play for the Boomers moving forward. And I think that's the cool thing. If you're an Australian basketball for, uh, fan, you already know, that Josh Giddy has put his hand up and said, oh, I was disappointed. I get to wasn't there for the last Olympics. I really want to be a part of it next time. Dyson's already said that he wants to. And as you said, if that's the backcourt for the future, along with the guys that are already there, um, you're pretty excited uh, if you're an Australian fan. I've already sort of given some of my thoughts with Andrew and he's given his thoughts, obviously. So I'm throwing it straight back to you. So you mentioned that it's a glass slipper fit. As you were watching the draft unfold, we know Portland was certainly in the mix and we thought that they were potentially an opportunity. If he dropped back even further, there was going to be teams that were absolutely going to snap him up. But as I looked at the draft, even in the morning, I just couldn't see him getting past New Orleans if he got that far. Uh, why is it a perfect fit for you? And, and did you anticipate that this was the way it was going to play out? Were you surprised that maybe an Indiana or maybe a Portland didn't go down that path? Yeah, I, I was the same as you. I didn't see him slipping past New Orleans. I know Cleveland were very, very keen on him um, if, if he had somehow fallen to them at, at 14. But I think in terms of a fit with New Orleans, he's such a versatile defender. Like everyone raves about his defensive skills. And I think if you if you put him alongside, you know, someone like a Herb Jones, that's just a phenomenal, that gives them phenomenal versatility on the perimeter. It's just an incredible fit in that regard. He has great lateral quickness. He has all the tools at that end of the court. I think, you know, there are some really lazy comparisons to Matisse Teibel, but I I don't think that's right because this guy is just a wizard with the ball in his hands at the other end when it comes to passing and seeing the floor. I think that that did Dyson Daniels a real disservice. Well, I think you're right, but actually you just reminded me, if you did have Matisse Seibel on the perimeter and you had Dyson Daniels, then that's another reason to get very excited. But you're right. Yeah, he he does actually like having the ball in his hands. He can play point guard, uh, but he has the bonus of being able to play off ball as well. So that's why, well, that's why I think that he'll be such an easy fit 
uh, for the Pelicans. So, yeah, again, this is a great turnaround from the Pelicans. They've got all these young guys. You mentioned Herb Jones, who really stood up uh, in the postseason. And I think even a guy like CJ McCollum is going to enjoy it. Probably there was initial shock from basketball fans when CJ wasn't in Portland, first of all. But then he really seemed to enjoy playing with these young guys. And by the way, another guy that I think that Dyson will enjoy playing basketball with, Zion Williamson, who I saw some photos yesterday. And, you know, it's photo season. It's off-season workouts, all those types of things. But he was looking trim. He was looking fit. And the Pelicans are a team. It's hard to get a read on whether they're ready to really launch because they're, you know, the, the core of their players are so young. But I can see Dyson playing right away. And if they get Zion Williamson back for this team, well, I'm going to be tuning in anyway. I'm going to say that. This is a really, really entertaining on-paper squad. Yeah, look, it's a really good depth pick for them as well. You look at the rest of that roster, Zion, CJ, Brandon Ingram, um, Jose Valanciunas, Devontae Graham, Larry Nance Jr. Like, it's a really good roster full of – it's a nice mixture of, of youth and veterans. And I think, you know, they they can bring Dyson along slowly. Obviously, there's some there's some issues with his shooting that probably need some, some kinks ironed out. Like, obviously, he needs to get better from the perimeter and that free throw shooting needs some work. But, you know – I think being able to bring him along slowly, that probably takes some of the pressure off him being a lottery pick. And I think, you know, they'll, they'll let him, you know, assimilate into that into that roster really, really well. And uh, I bring this up at least once a pod, and I'm telling you, it's not... I don't do this to upset you, Steve. You know that I love you, but you're a little bit older than me. And in the post-game... Okay, settle down. In the post-game, uh, the post-draft media availability that he had, uh, Dyson said that now he can... He, he likes trash-talking. And now he can even trash talk his old man a little bit because he made it to the NBA. He never did. His old man, you you would uh, you would have seen him play. I assume I did, very well. I, I, did, very I absolutely well. like all jokes about my age aside. I actually did see Ricky Daniels play. He was uh, an incredible player for the Bendigo Braves in the old uh, SEABL, which is now the NBL one. And Ricky was a really, really good player, an absolute workhorse. You would give him the ball down low, and he would go to work. And he was a classic an American import for many years for Bendigo. And and you can see whether, you know, the acorns haven't fallen far from the oak when it comes to basketball talent, but Dyson's obviously maximized it far more than, than Ricky did. Ricky was a really good college player as well. He went to North Carolina state. So, you know, the, the pedigree is obviously there, but yeah, Dyson can definitely talk some, talk some stuff now. Uh, and last one, before we move on to Usman Jiang, you, you spoke about positionally where he can play. Uh, he actually said, in his pre-draft media availability that with the G League Ignite, because they had such an interesting mix of talents. Yes, he can play point guard. Yes, he can play the two guard. He also spent time playing at three. He even spent the time playing at the four. And we had him in at the jump studio two months ago, I think it was. And I was just, I mean, it's like one of those things. And if you're in this job and we're around enough basketball players that you're always around humongous human beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's, you know, was 6'6", six, six. he's continued to grow, 6'8", in shoes now, uh, he said, just a monster. And the idea that this guy is like playing point guard, and we've seen it with Giddy's a, a big fella, and obviously Ben Simmons is bigger than all of them, but it's just crazy to me the way the game keeps changing. And it's a perfect transition into Usman Jiang because he's also 6'10". He's a guy that's grown a lot over the last couple of years. And he, if you ask him, he sees himself as a three, He's like 6'10", borderline 6'11", and he thinks his best position is playing the three spot. It's quite crazy. But Usman Jiang went through the NBA draft roller coaster tonight. Pick 11, New York Knicks. 
You got the locals in Barclays Center. They're half cheering. They're half booing, as Knicks fans typically do. And very quickly, we find out that he's going to be joining Josh Kitty in Oklahoma City. So the Thunder made a trade that has gone through. It's official now. Uh, and the Thunder, they've got a million future draft picks. They gave up three of them to get Osman Jiang. They already had Chet Holmgren with the number two pick. So it's crazy to me when you think about the two guys that they picked up, and we'll focus on Osman Jiang, but both those guys, tall, pretty skinny, wiry, crazy upside guys. And I think that Usman Jiang has been viewed by a lot of people clearly as a project, uh, but a guy that out of the top five potentially has a ceiling as high as anyone. Yeah, like Draft Express talked about him as being one of the draft's most talented forwards, I think. And it's a bit similar to Dyson in, in New Orleans in that this is someone who has real passing and playmaking ability. The, the versatility is there defensively. The instincts are really good and he probably maybe needs some work there. But, you know, I think um, OKC would love his versatility more than anything else. I think that's that's the key for them. He, he'll be able to play multiple positions. And, um, yeah, and, and like, as you said, like all of a sudden they've got a roster that is long and athletic. <laughs> like you, you would have to imagine that Josh Giddy is absolutely wrapped with the, you know, those at least those two draft picks for starters, because he's going to be throwing, you know, some crazy lobs and and he's going to be hitting everyone, and everyone's going to be flying around. It's going to be incredible to watch this team develop. Yeah, he did tweet. I don't have it up now, but Giddy did tweet about it, and he seemed like he was more than uh, a little bit pleased with the night's events for the OKC Thunder. And then they had pick twelve that picked up Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. He was a guy that I personally was all over uh, coming into this draft. He was a huge riser late. So again, they got three guys in the top 12 to add to Giddy, to add to Gildress Alexander and Dort and all these guys that they've got on the roster. My only question is, poor old Poku thought that he was the number one project for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now they got Holmgren. Now they got Jiang. So maybe he's feeling a little bit jealous with the collection of talent that the Thunder have. But Jiang in general... The way that he developed through the NBL season, and let's remember, he was playing in New Zealand team that, well, he never saw New Zealand, actually. He saw Australia. He was living mm. in an apartment in the Docklands, <laughs> and he took a while to adjust to playing against men, playing the physical style that the NBL is. But his last six games, he was averaging 15 points per game. The three really came along. It was up in the high 30s. Yeah. You mentioned the playmaking, but he was also super disruptive defensively, picking up deflections, picking up steals. And overall, he just looked really comfortable. And yeah, you probably at the halfway mark of the NBL, you're like, okay, maybe he'll be you know, a late first round pick because people will buy into the potential. Mm. But he actually delivered on that against men in a really tough league in a really tough season for the breakers. So I can understand why he climbed. And then after that, he, he really impressed. And uh, Jonathan Gavonio, a draft expert at ESPN, said that uh, he absolutely wowed the Pelicans and the Pelicans would have probably taken him yeah. if Daniels was off the board. So it's interesting the way it works. Yeah, and look, uh, you make a good point about him in the NBL and that the longer the season went on, the stronger he got, the better he got. And that that experience against playing against men can't be underestimated either. I think we, we see that, you know, we, we saw that with Lamelo Ball to some extent as well, that playing against hardened professionals really does accelerate your development to some extent. Um, and look, you can see you can see him you know, with that playmaking. He would create well out of the out of the pick and roll. He had the length to defend multiple positions. I, you know, it, it was really really nice to see that development. But yeah, like that's Sam Presti worked him out, you know, at, at OKC, and then 
traded to get him. Like, what is that? That 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 says everything. I think. Like, if 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 that's the case, I think they're really high on him, and and he's going to fit in again, like like Dyson Daniels seamlessly. And just one last point on, yeah, perhaps the slow start, and he didn't admit this, and he probably wouldn't admit this, but I just think it's worth noting that you know, French is his first language, and if you get the time to chat to him. You, you can barely get more than a sentence out of him. And part, part of that, I think he's like naturally a little bit shy, but also he's in a foreign country. Yeah. It takes some time and he's only, he was only 18 years old mm. at the time as well. So that really matters. And you know, realistically, I, I think he's the type of guy that if you hit, and it makes sense why the Thunder would take a gamble because they're in the perfect spot to do that because they've already got yeah. significant talent on the roster. They can take a swing at a guy like this and there's also, uh, like, you could easily see Usman Jiang in three years, four years' time being a guy that never really hit, never really got that development, maybe didn't get that comfort level at the, at the next level. So he's a guy that I can easily see becoming a rotation guy, or he's a guy that, that could, could filter out a league. But the Thunder are in a perfect position to do that. Uh, Luke Travers, this was great. Again, This is really great. If you're an Aussie, if you're a yeah. biased Aussie, this was great. <laughs> and, and, you know... Travis was a guy that came into this season, huge expectations of what he could potentially do at the NBL because he had the breakout NBL 21. He was starting in the grand final series without Bryce Cotton and just having a huge impact in that series against Melbourne United. Uh, he had an up and down season, but overall, the consistent thing that Luke Travis does every game, he works his butt off defensively. He rebounds, he pushes the pace, and he, he's always competitive, always competitive. And you can understand why this is the type of guy that would go over there to NBA teams and shine in workouts because of that work ethic and because of the style of play. 56 to the Cavaliers. Uh, that's cool. He's going to get his opportunity at Summer League to show out. Yeah, I think you know he, he's obviously going to project as a 2-3 you know, at that level. And obviously there are things there that the Cavs will want him to work on. But yeah, he's going to get an absolutely great chance at Summer League to show what he can do. And then from there, you just you just never know. But that effort and work ethic, that's exactly spot on because I think, you know, not to compare to a, a previous Cav in, in Delhi, but I think that work ethic will outweigh a lot of other, you know, players. They'll outshine because they're working harder. Simple as that. That's a great point. I didn't even make that connection. The Cavs going for a hard working. Australian. What a surprise. Maybe they got some info. Maybe they had some inside info, but Luke Travers, yeah, again, uh, it's it's really cool to see him. And there was only 58 picks in this draft, so it came super late. Uh, but that's uh, that's a fun selection there for the Cavs. And then we thought we were done. And then the Indiana Pacers had the 58th pick in this draft. Uh, so the Pacers have taken this pick. It's reported that Milwaukee are trading for this, but not official. So as of 4.30 p.m. on Friday afternoon, he's technically still an Indiana Pacer, but everyone thinks that it's eventually going to be the Bucks that will take this pick. Uh, the other Frenchman, which I believe I saw... don't I probably shouldn't say this, because, but I, I believe I saw a tweet saying that there's the first international... Or it's, it's definitely the first NBL team that's had two draftees uh, in the same uh, season, in the same class. So Hugo Besson probably ends up uh, with the Bucks certainly through Summer League here, last pick in the draft. But again, this one made me really happy because he was in the building and he was projected to sort of go around that 40-ish mark, high 30s even in some mock drafts. And I was just personally starting to feel a little bit anxious that, you know, he's in the building. You want to see this guy have his moment. He was able to do that last pick in the draft. Uh, it's fun. And he was a really fun player to watch all year. 
Yeah, look, there were some thoughts. Like you said, he could have gone, you know, high 30s. I think um, Atlanta were maybe looking at him in the 40s. There was talk of him, of even Golden State, having a look at him, you know, real late. But, you know, if, in the end, if he goes to Milwaukee, like, he, he was fun for, for New Zealand last season. He, defensively, he's really, really sound. Um, he just needs to get stronger. Like, he was bodied around a little bit in the NBL, and that's only going to get worse in the NBA. So if he's going to make it, he's going to have to spend the summer eating barbells. But look, honestly, how good to have four four players from the NBL drafted over the two rounds? Well, I will seriously never forget it. Earlier in the season, uh, we were both at this game. We were just New Zealand and Southeast Melbourne, and it was early in the season, and the Breakers had just gone through their COVID uh, situation, and this was this was going back. Before- I mean, there's a COVID situation everywhere now, but this was when COVID situations were perhaps not so common. And uh, Hugo Besson really got knocked around by COVID and he lost seven to eight kilos. Mm. Uh, the Breakers lost Peyton Siever to a hamstring, hamstring injury earlier in the first half. They were playing a pretty good Phoenix team that was really rolling at the time. And we spoke to Matt Walsh, the uh, Breakers owner at halftime. We said, this is not looking too good. And he said, no, I think we're in trouble. He's like, you know, Hugo's just got no legs. He lost seven to eight kilos. You can see it in his face. He's probably yeah. just hasn't got any energy. Well, he finished off by scoring something like the last 14 points of the game for the breakers. He was knocking down shots everywhere. And that's the NBL skill that he does have. He can get his own shot from absolutely anywhere. And he can also score at the rim. And he's got a nice little floater. So offensively, he's a bucket getter. He's, a, he, as the kids say, he's an old-fashioned or a new-fashioned bucket getter. He loves coming off a little, you know, a little pin down, little screen and, and yeah. just getting his feet set. And he's he's pretty good from there. So you're right. I think in terms of being able to go and get his own shot and, and score his own points, I think he's he's already probably at a good enough level for that. But it's at, at the other end that um, that he'll probably need to, to get some work in. But, you know, again, there's no reason why he couldn't make that roster, um, you know, as an end of the bench guy. Um, but we'll, he'll obviously get some minutes in summer league and, and we'll see what happens from there. And of course, two-way contracts are also an yep. option and he could play, if he's with Mork, he could play with the Wisconsin Herd in the G League. We've seen guys do that with that team as well and then be able to uh, make the NBA. So there's certainly options there uh, for Hugo Besson. And I would imagine we've seen enough of him to know that, yes, he's streaky. He'll go through hot runs, but I'd imagine over four games minimum with the Bucks Summer League team, he'll have one quarter where he goes absolutely bonkers because we saw it enough. Uh, in the NBL this season. A couple of guys that were in the draft, well, there was a number of guys that were in the draft that didn't get picked up, but McEwen Maker, who really struggled early in the season, just trying to get healthy. He was uh, he had illness, so COVID stuff going on at the start of the season. Then he had some other injuries through the year, but became a real contributor. Mm. Was playing rotation minutes on the team that won the title that was absolutely loaded. So it'd be interesting to see what happens with him coming forward, whether it is summer league. I would imagine there'll be some opportunities there. Uh, Bull Koala caught up with him earlier in the week. Uh, he wasn't, he's loosely anticipating that potentially something could happen for Summer League. He worked out with the Bulls, worked out with the Cavs, but he's not losing any sleep over it. He's going to go play for South Sudan uh, in the World Cup qualifiers July 1st. They tip off. Uh, Kai Soto, another interesting guy. Uh, he's contracted to Adelaide anyway. So, yeah, potentially we see him back anyway, Steve. Yeah, I, I think so. I think all those guys will probably get a good look at Summer League. But we'll we'll probably see certainly a couple of those back in the NBL next year, which is great. You know, the, the, there's potential for them to be, you know, even even stash guys who who end up in stay in the NBL for another year, and and then we see where they go from there. Any final thoughts, Steve? It's always a uh, it's an entertaining day. I'll say that it's an entertaining day. Draft day as always. 
Yeah, it didn't quite have all the chaos that I expected. I, I really, uh, I mean, apart from, you know, Jaden Ivey um, dropping, you know, I, I think everyone figured the Kings would somehow Sacramento Sacramento it up, and sure enough, they did. So, so that was it. That was entertaining. But, but apart from that, probably didn't quite have all the chaos that I was that I was maybe hoping for. But it was a good day. Yeah, the top three. Well, actually, the top four might have been the wildest out of the whole lot. Then it sort of uh, sorted itself out. It was Manjang, part of a big trade. The Knicks were doing all sorts of stuff. I can't actually. I need to go back and read it to figure out what the Knicks yeah. did today. But there was lots of trades. Uh, moving backwards and forwards. I'm about to have, probably when you're listening to this, it'll probably be live. I'm about to do a write-up of all the picks we've just discussed here on this podcast with Andrew and Steve. So the draft's in the books. Dyson Daniels, number eight to New Orleans. It was Man Jiang, number 11, New York, heading to Oklahoma City. Luke Travis, 56 to Cleveland. Hugo Besson, drafted by Indiana at pick 58. Looks like he's heading to the Milwaukee Bucks. So four guys, uh, either Australian or we've seen here in the NBL. So all in all, a uh, really, really successful draft for Australian hoops once again. And this is the third straight year now that there's been an NBL player, next star, drafted in the top 12, top 11, but uh, top 12, wherever you want to cut it off for, for your arbitrary uh, stats, we can do that. But the top 11, so it's it's goes to show that the next stars is working and these alternative routes to the NBA are legitimate. Uh, and the G League Ignite, obviously Dyson Daniels was a part of that. So it's cool. It's cool to see these different paths uh, to the NBA. So we'll wrap it up, Steve. I think I already asked you if you've got any final thoughts, but it's always good to hang out with you. <laughs> Likewise, Kane. Always a pleasure, mate. All right. Like I said, check out ESPN.com.au for all the latest news for the podcast, everything that's going on. We're rolling into the Boomers next week. Summer League straight after that. Uh, so there's going to be plenty to talk about uh, for Steve, myself, Andrew Lopez, uh, the, the Hakeem Warwick loving greatest <laughs> producer in podcast history. Laws, uh, we'll wrap it up. Have a lovely weekend, everyone.